Welcome to the Leading and Learning Through Safety podcast, where the discussion ranges from employee safety, environmental protection, policy creation, training methods, employee engagement, and everything in between. Your host is Dr. Mark French. As an industrial and organizational psychologist and certified safety professional, he's going to share information and anecdotes from years of experience in the people side of safety. Safety is so much more than a technical skill. It is a motivational need that defines the culture of your organization. Employee safety is a meaningful business practice that makes a direct impact on everyone through direct behavioral engagement. That is why your organization should be using safety as a key method to learn about your culture and lead your teams. Thanks for joining this episode as we talk through current issues in EHS and how they impact our everyday workplace. Welcome to this episode of the Leading and Learning Through Safety podcast, where our goal is to really look at safety as a leading metric. And really, safety is a symptom of more about your organization and your culture. That's something I feel, that if you come in and look at an organization's safety, and you look at their attitude towards compliance, you look at their attitude toward their people, because safety is people, you can really get a feel for their culture. And that's where I love this podcast for talking about those types of items and those types of things that happen and how we can influence those, how we can change, how we can adapt, how we can create that cultural workforce that is is really driving for more. And uh, so thanks for joining me. Really happy that you're with me. And uh, let's get started. Uh, This week, I looked and found some interesting articles about COVID. And I know that is still one of the bigger and ultimately changing topics in safety because we're continually having to change. Um, OSHA guidance is changing. The FAQs are, are, are updating. And so there's a lot of differences. And if you're on a state program, it's even more different. And uh, they've even changed it further. So this one here came out of Oregon, and they've been kind of leading the charge with uh, having different laws, regulations, uh, updating their policies toward um, COVID. They've been kind of leading that. And they've been the one that I've been following the most because they are moving pretty quick with different rules and guidances uh, compared to some other states and compared to the federal OSHA. So when we look at that, what they're saying here is that uh, their new recommendations uh, from earlier this month, basically that uh, you can resume activities without wearing a mask if you are fully vaccinated. That means that you've, in most cases, you've had the two vaccines and you've had a two-week waiting period after the second dose. Um, They feel that the information out there and will allow you to resume most normal activities. Now, this is a little different as the federal OSHA is still a little bit behind on that. There's some guidance out there that is saying that they still recommend masks and social distancing as it's not fully proven. So we're seeing some states um, actually start to take the lead again, uh, especially in Oregon. And I think my biggest concern here with all of this since COVID started is that it has moved so fast that the enforcement part of it has really taken the precedent over the educational part of it. 
And that's always concerning because I think you have to learn, you have to teach, and it doesn't have to be hard, but it needs to be available, readily available to understand what are we being held against? What is the mark that we have to meet to be compliant? Because that's our goal. We want to be compliant. And sometimes our best intentions as safety professionals don't meet the intention of the law. And that's weird, isn't it, when that happens? You think you're doing everything you should. You've read the law. You've read some of the some of the supplementary material. You think you're doing it all right, and then you have an OSHA inspection. He goes, no, nah, not really. That's that's not what we were expecting. We're going to write that. And, man, that's, uh, that's a tough situation to be in, and I think that's where I look at it from. Not that we don't need uh, some type of guidance and regulation, but we need education behind it. So it's good to see that things are opening up. Of course, that doesn't supersede anything different uh, for local municipalities if they want to keep certain things in place. But I think it's interesting to see that we're starting that process of as people are vaccinated, as things are changing, we're, we're moving back uh, and away from it. And I wonder how we'll pull back a lot of these regulations as we keep going, because this this will be behind us at some point. And how do we get the shift back off of what we've been focused on with COVID because my biggest one of my concerns as we've been going through this and it's it's good and bad at the same time we should be focused on COVID that's a big deal for the safety world and the health of our team but I wonder if it's taken too much focus off of some of the other hazards that are in the workplace Um, we've been so focused and so driven to look at COVID issues and health issues and sanitation and masks. Uh, I hope we haven't forgot about lockout, uh, control of hazardous energy, guarding, HASCOM. I think HASCOM has been pretty prominent because of COVID because of all the new cleaning chemicals we've pulled in. But there's some traditional safety issues that still cause significant harm to people out there. And I think we've pulled a lot of resources from our local OSHA officials to investigate COVID-related issues. And I don't want to forget about the things out there that are still significantly hurting people on top of COVID. So we have a lot of work ahead of us as safety professionals as we make these changes, as we readapt to what the workplace will look like going forward. And there's some interesting items out there. Uh, This month is coming up in June, just a few days away. The National Safety Council is having a, a safety month, and there's a lot of resources on their webpage if you sign up for them. And I think the second week of June, they're focused on COVID, and they have a really neat infographic about what will the changing landscape look like as we exit the main phase of COVID. Like, what are the changes that we are going to see in the workplace permanently, or their prediction for that based on their research? Pretty interesting. And it's, we are going to have a changing landscape. It's going to change the way we do business fundamentally. Um, But I think it's also hopefully going to, we've learned some from it. So the other interesting article, I don't want to miss this one, um, is that OSHA ruled that uh, if a business required vaccines, so some organizations have said you're not coming back to the workplace or to the office until you are fully vaccinated. And we're going to require it. We're going to pay for it. And we, you got to have it. And if there are um, adverse reactions to the vaccine or some sort of adverse reaction because of that, 
it will not be recordable. They're not enforcing the ruling on counting vaccine reactions as recordable injuries. Doesn't mean you're not liable. It just means it's not going to be enforced as recordable. So it doesn't have to go on your OSHA log. And that's that's an interesting play on that because there's still some liability there potentially. Uh, I feel like that that's going to be worked out soon. We'll see some more of that as those organizations have to deal with some of that proactive approach to the um, having mandatory vaccines and the liability will be interesting to see how that plays. I think we'll see that in the next few months, seeing some items come out and we'll follow that. We'll talk about what does that mean for us as safety professionals? How does that affect our culture? Uh, but it's interesting that we don't have to count that. At least we don't have to worry about the recordability aspect in trying to explain that to our local OSHA officials when they want to see that uh, OSHA log. And I'm also there probably from a federal level when you have to submit at the end of the year, uh, wondering about how they would aggregate that and talk about it in a proactive and productive manner. So I think there's a little bit of extra there uh, having to figure that part of it out. So interesting, uh, we're moving forward with COVID, lots of different changes, and uh, you know what we're going to talk, we're going to switch gears all together, coming back after this break, more Leading and Learning Through Safety podcast in just a moment. You've got a friend in the safety business. Who wants to help your team work safer? The safety dude. Who wants to help your leadership engage through safety? Again, the safety dude. Who is there to take your safety systems to the next level? That's right, the safety dude. Who has the knowledge and skill to drive safety ownership? You know it, the safety dude. So who is the safety dude? Dr. Mark French is an experienced and credentialized safety professional with a focus on the organizational psychology of your company. You can find a safety dude at TSD Amalgamated Safety Consulting where he is ready to focus on your team's safety. www.tsdamoglamated.com Welcome back to the Leading and Learning Through Safety podcast. Uh, now we're going to jump into the second part of this episode. An, an interesting article, uh, an unfortunate article about a fatality. Um, it was a worker's tool um, he was using a saw of some kind on, they were doing some road work. He was having to cut uh, a pipe, uh, using a saw and the saw kicked back and whatever trauma, uh, he received resulted in a fatality. He was transported to a hospital, uh, but did not make it. And not a lot of information yet. Of course, the investigation will go on for quite some time. Uh, it was just something that caught my attention out of Ohio uh, about this injury because a lot of times we use the tool that is closest to us or the one that's provided versus the one that we need. And I've seen this uh, a lot in construction um, and had to put a stop to it at times. And some of it, you look back and you kind of chuckle about what you've seen and encountered. You've probably seen the pictures on the internet, or if you're a safety professional, you may have seen this where one guy leans over on his back, the other guy puts a board across it and cuts it. And it's like, wow, don't think that was the best idea. The sawhorses, I know they're over there, but why don't you go use them? Uh, also, have I had one in particular that he laid the item across a steel toe boot to cut it. 
and started talking to him, understanding like, okay, we, we don't want to do that here. And why, why were you doing that? And he's like, well, what are steel toes for? I don't drop things on it, but it sure is good protection from the saw. <laughs> wow. Okay. That's uh, some, I, I would love to have been part of your safety training when that happened. And they showed you that like, Hey, these steel toes are great for cutting things on top of them. So I really want to focus on the idea that uh, what happens when your team needs a tool? Um, do they have the right tools? Because saws are so, um, they have a lot of different attachments now. You can get all these specialty tools. You can you can modify them. You can add different guards and different blades. And do you have the right blade? Or are you just making do with the blade that you have? Um, you see the funny things about like, hey, this drill is not only my drill, but it's my hammer and it's everything else. We want to make sure that our team knows that they have the time to get what they need. And this is one of those times I don't know the full investigation behind what happened to this this worker. It was unfortunate, um, especially in the logging industry. You see trees falling, kickback, and, and things like that. Also concerned about PPE. Was there any type of PPE available? I know in some areas... Uh, where they use a lot of sharp tools to cut and trim in the metal industry. Sometimes there's like extra guarding around mid-torso and and larger parts of the legs to prevent any type of laceration hazard. Was there a consideration for what could happen? And of course you look and wonder, how long has this been happening? How many jobs was this saw used on that, that same type of pipe? Uh, did anybody ever see it before and scratch their head or had other people done it? Had he been taught to do it? And that's the thing that's interesting about safety that I uh, find so critical is that it's sometimes the smallest gesture that we pick up on and go, well, it looks like a quick idea. I like that. I'll use that. And suddenly we're using it and we're doing it. And the influence of how powerful a peer influence can be in the world of safety, especially when it seems like an easier route rather than the the safe route because we see someone doing it. We don't see consequences, and then we jump in. And it's without a good educational background. There's no idea to question it and to say, I I was taught that wasn't the right way to do it. Um, Many times I have... uh, looked and tried to be something going out there and doing the job. I think one of my most interesting events was I was a new hire. I was out doing work with the team, went through new hire orientation, learned how to do everything, went out and started kind of working with the team. They didn't know who I was yet. I was new. Um, Just went out there and started doing the job. Um, And one of the guys said, now, okay, we're going to, we're going to lift these things and move these things this way. He said, but if you see those guys with the safety logo, we got to change. We got to do it the other way because we get caught. They'll say something to us. And I just, I couldn't stop myself from laughing because I then shook the guy's hand and said, Hey, I'm one of the new safety guys here. <laughs> I'm just out here learning. And, uh, wow. The look on his face and he goes, Oh, I'm so sorry. It's like, you know, I learned something though. I'm not mad. I'm not angry at you. That's your culture. And this culture was created somehow. So what do we do to counteract this? What can we do to fix this so that you want to do it the right way? What does it take? How do we do that? And, you know, good answers there. And we we have to be open to the fact that people are not perfect 
and that people are going to find an easier way where they can unless we educate them on the risk that could be there. And that's what we're always dealing with in the safety world is the risk that could be. And we want people to respect that because it just takes once. And it may be the first time you're doing it. It may be the millionth time you're doing it. It may never happen to you. But maybe you're setting someone up to see that. So one of those items. And from that standpoint, let's talk a little bit about personal safety. I had a really interesting thing happen to me. First time ever. Um, I was traveling in an airport last week. Very large airport. Had some pretty long escalators going up and down. And, you know, as a kid, I always had an irrational fear of escalators. Like, what if they eat you? But then as I got older, it's like, now we've got all this momentum. What if this thing breaks and suddenly we're thrown forward or we're thrown backward or something like that happens? And so I've always, I guess, had the death grip on the handles of an escalator. Uh, and so I was riding it about midway down. It did. It, it broke and it went grr, 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 and stopped. Good sound effect. But it came to a complete halt. One thing I was amazed at is that it actually stops a little bit smoother than you think it would, even when it fails. Um, it also, uh, you really don't have as much momentum as you think. I think only one person like stumbled a little bit uh, that I noticed. Because, of course, I looked in front of me and I looked behind me because I wanted to make sure I wasn't going to fall into people. And then I looked up behind me to make sure people weren't going to fall into me or if I needed to brace to try to hold somebody back if I could. Um, not that strong. Uh, so something I was thinking about, and I was like, wow, that, that was kind of neat. It, it seemed like it was almost like the fail-safe protocol was to kind of keep it from just coming to a complete jarring stop. And the forward momentum really wasn't as powerful as I really thought it would be. Uh, so a simple minor hand grip and a little bit of awareness, and you, you're fine there. So that was good. I, I thought that was a positive safety thing to see that no one was hurt. Everybody was holding on, and everybody was able to keep them so steady. So it was a good event. It was a good learning event for me because I was able to see that and <laughs> try to adapt from it. Um, but I got to experience something I was, I've was i been scared of, and now I'm not so scared of it. I'm aware of it, and I'm educated by it. And again, that doesn't I don't think that happens very often. I've been in a lot of airports and been on a lot of escalators, and that's the first time that has ever happened. So interesting. Anyway, thanks for joining me this week on the Leading and Learning Through Safety podcast. Hope you have a great uh, week and or two, depending on when the next podcast comes out. And until next time we chat, stay safe. listening to the Leading and Learning Through Safety podcast. Join the conversation on the web at www.thesafetydude.org. All opinions expressed on the program are solely the view of the individual and not affiliated with any business entity. This podcast is for informational and entertainment purposes. It is not a substitute for proper policy, appropriate training, or legal advice. This has been the Leading and Learning Through Safety podcast.